This show was first broadcast on Access Radio Taranaki 104.4 FM, thanks to New Zealand On Air. I'm Pastor Dan Yazel, welcoming you to Grace Notes, an outreach of North Taranaki Methodist Parish. I invite you to sit back and relax, grab a cuppa, and listen. May God surprise us and bless us in this moment. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Grace Notes. Today we will be looking at the prodigal son story, perhaps one of the best known of all the parables told by Jesus. And for many, this is one of the favorite stories in all of the Bible. Now, sometimes it can be hard to hear familiar stories again and again and discover something new. But a heartfelt, I love you, cannot be said too often. I hope today we hear God's loving word for each of us. Welcome to Grace Notes. Our first reading today is Psalm 32. Let's listen, you and I, for these words as they travel to meet us this day. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and those in spirit where there is no deceit. While I kept silence... My body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. 
and my strength was dried up, as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve my life from trouble. You surround me with the glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with a bit and bridle, else it not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart.
Testament lesson today, it comes from Luke. Now in some Bibles, this section is called the prodigal son and his brother. Now I went to seminary and I never really knew what the word prodigal meant until I looked it up. It means reckless extravagance. When we hear this story, it sounds like the younger son is prodigal or reckless with his money. And his father is prodigal or extravagant with his love. Let's listen for this word of good news and grace for us. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So... Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf, and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his oldest son was in the field. And when he had approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called out to one of the servants and asked, what was going on? He replied, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you, and I've never disobeyed your command. And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead, has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. Here ends our reading. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God of grace and surprise, help us to see, to understand, to believe the good news of your love for us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know if you remember the children's story, or it was a movie too, of uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Just a, a handful of words, but a collection of delightful pictures of a young boy, Max. And Max wanted to be someone, he wanted to be somewhere where he was loved best of all. And so he goes on this adventure, this trip. He makes a discovery about himself. Uh, after he had had a bit of a row with his mother, uh, saying things he probably shouldn't have, doing things he probably shouldn't have, he runs off. And in his mind, he takes off you know, where he's been swinging through the vines, and he had been stomping at the moon, and he had for a while been as free as free could be. But very quickly, he discovers the freedom that he thought he was after, wasn't really what he wanted after all. What Max found that he needed was he needed to be loved, and he came to find where that love would be found. He took a journey out to a far country, and it comes to a conclusion when he discovers a deeper sense of himself as he turns around, and he decides, literally, he's going to sail back and go back to get to find and to claim what he wanted most of all. Wonderful similarities from that children's story to the scripture that we hear today. And it is uh, something of just a snapshot in a way. Jesus paints this wonderful 
word picture for us with the story that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. It captures for us a moment that is just filled with grace, as if heaven and earth could touch for a moment and we have just a glimpse of what the kingdom looks like if we had just a, a few moments. I don't know if you've been, ever been to one of the places where you can put a, a coin in a big telescope and you can look for just a few moments away in the far horizon and it goes tick, 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 and then suddenly it's gone again. So you have just a moment to see what it looks like. So Jesus is using this scene, he's telling this story to show us a very human situation. And I think we don't have to look very long to figure out that this is one dysfunctional family here. Jesus starts out the story by saying, there's a father who had two sons. And the first son says, dad, drop dead. Or at least give me my share of what's coming to me after you die so I can get going. I can get on with my life. I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got wild oats to sow. It is this astounding, amazing, brazen request. And I don't think it would go over too well in many families at all. What is even more amazing than the son's insulting brazenness is that the father says, okay. The father says, I accept your rejection of me. Son, I love you. I will let you go with everything in the world that I have to give you. Here, take it. Here's your share. Farewell, my son. How many earthly dads would do that? Jesus is pointing to how God is willing to endure that. The younger son goes, and we knows what we know what happens next. There's a cute story told about a youngster being asked once, you know, what happens in the story of the prodigal son? And, and uh, a hand was raised. Said, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, he went to town, and he spent half of his money on women and wine, and then he wasted the rest. The son got as far away as possible from everything that was his former life for a brief time. Like in the story of Max, things seemed great, having fun. And then they got really desperate. The money runs out. Food is scarce. Now even the pig slop looked good to him. And in the story, it says he came to himself. And then he sought to come home. We don't know what changed within him. We don't know how deep his conversion was. We don't know how sincere he was going to be when he got back to his doorstep with an apology, but we do know that the younger son turned around and he headed back. Now he went back to start some kind of new relationship with someone that he had treated as good as dead. And he knew enough, and he knew that he couldn't expect it to be the same. He didn't hope for what it used to be because it could never be like that again. By turning around, he sought to start something over. And he had an idea of what it might be. Here's what he was hoping as he left that far country and headed back home. He hoped that he could be a laborer, that he could just work on the farm that he already knew. 
And in our glimpse we see he is welcomed back, but with so much more than just a job. A grand party is thrown. He's in the door. The question is, will it work out? Will it last? We know in this picture it wouldn't have happened at all if the sun had not turned around looking for something new. And in the past few weeks, I touched on repentance, kind of a churchy-sounding word. And the question is, what does it mean to repent? How do you know it when you see it or you feel it? But we speak of repentance as being truly a turning into a new direction, setting our face in another way. The younger son literally does this. He turned around, and he went now in what is most certainly the right direction, toward the love, the love that was willing to set him free, to let him choose his course. For the younger son, repentance was to say, Father, again. Repentance would be for him to go home and claim his role as a son in the family, to acknowledge his part in breaking things apart. For him, the new direction was to know that he was loved first and figuring out how to live like that and still be just as free as he was before, but know that he had an unshakable love. He had been lost, and he could be lost again. Things are just beginning as he stakes this new direction. If, if things were going to change, then things would have to change. He was going to have to change. And it might be all too easy to slide back into thinking and acting like he did before. We don't know what's next. We know what is, and that he is loved. The Father's anticipation of his return and the generosity of his actions, throwing the party, assure this. The father had been hoping and longing and waiting that the younger son might return and that something could change. Finally, gracefully, one day it does. We see the father running to greet his son, welcoming him home without question as to where's he been, without scolding or punishment or penitence. The love comes first, the love that had always been there. And now the Father can hold the one who was lost and gone. Now the older brother, he's in need of repentance as well. He's lost, but in a different way. He's the one who tried to do everything right and somehow never learned to party. He too is lost. Lost, thinking that the Father's love should be conditional. It should be with strings attached, offered only after certain conditions are met. The older one would dutifully do what needed to be done to keep things going, but he resented doing it. The relations between the older brother and the younger brother were obviously strained. Things between the older brother and his father were strained as well. The way that dad kept treating the younger son before and after his return was driving the older brother nuts. He couldn't make any sense of breaking the rules for this no good brother of his to repent for him, for the older one. 
That would mean he would need to call his brother, brother once again, and finding a way to sit at the table of celebration with him. And at the end of the story, he's not there yet. The best he can do is to call the younger brother his father's son, not even acknowledging this is my brother. He's standing outside. He's watching it all. Now to repent, he would have to deal with his dad who's going to love like that. One who could love this no good brother and love him just the same. Jesus paints a picture. The loving parent goes out to meet the younger one on the road, offering a chance to come home. The younger one hears and has responded. He, the father goes to the older one and says, Hey, come on in. You're home too. That's the offer for each one of us. It is truly for us. It's more than a call to come. It's a call to conversion. It's a casting off of smugness, false righteousness. It's a setting aside of prejudice so that something can begin anew. Each of the brothers has an invitation to change. And the picture of what happens next, that, well, you know, that's up to us. We can see in this moment, in this instant, an entirely different way of being part of God's family. It's appealing in one way, and in another way, it's appalling because it offends common sense and our understanding of the way things should be. Most likely, if we look at this picture, we can see ourselves as uh, one of the two brothers, maybe the younger one, having lived a little bit harder than we should have, looking back. Or maybe as the older one, feeling like somehow life has shorted us out of some of the joy that we had coming. For all this hard, faithful work that we've done, where are the rewards? There's a party going on? Things can't be like that, can they? thing is, we don't know if the younger brother has changed for good. And we don't know whether the older brother ever lightened up and joined the party. But every time someone turns to come back home, every time someone truly tries to draw closer to God, God celebrates. With the rest of this Lenten season, with the opportunities that come to us or before us to think about where we are, to consider what we've been and where we've gone as we contemplate new directions. Turning around, may we find the strength and the courage and the humility to head home closer to a God who is waiting to show us love, not standing with a scowl or a frown at the gate, but hear the music and head home. Thanks be to God. Amen. So that's all for today. I hope you've caught a glimpse of grace through this time. You're invited to join us for worship and fellowship Sundays at 10 a.m. at New Plymouth Methodist Church, the corner of Weardit and Powderham Street. Until next week, God's grace and peace be with you. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki in New Plymouth, thanks to New Zealand On Air. For more local content, search for accessradiotaranaki.com.